Hi, Chris Fallotton here. Thanks for tuning in to my podcast. I'm so excited about my new show, Cultural Catalyst, where we help you to learn how to live fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. You can watch it weekly on my YouTube channel or listen to it here. Hope you enjoy it. Hi, this is Chris Bellaton. Welcome to Cultural Callus, where we help you learn how to live fully alive, co-labor with God, and change the world. And I have Jonathan Hauser with me today, which is, man, this guy is a, he is a hero in our midst. He's a, been a worship leader, and um, he's been on so many albums with Bethel Music. And you have been married to your wife, Melissa, for what, like 15 years? No, 23. Oh my goodness, see this? I got bad information right here, John. <laughs> we got to fix this. And yeah. you lead a discipleship school called 18-inch Journey, right? In North Carolina. Yes. Is that, is yeah. that accurate? Yeah, and the 18-inch and the Journey is 15 years old. So maybe that's... Oh, the, maybe that's what it is, yeah. huh? Yeah. So, yes. okay, so before we get started, like the 18-inch Journey, I think I got it maybe head to heart or something. That's it, Yeah. That I, we heard a phrase once that the greatest distance you'll ever make is the distance from your head to your heart. Uh, going beyond facts about God and knowing Him intimately in your heart is a big difference. And uh, it was a creative way to start a heart school. Yeah. We wanted, yeah, we wanted a school for uh, for young people to come and really have heart heart formation and heart transformation. And you got like ninety people on your property, right? Yep, right they're now. living in our b- backyard, basically, right, right over there. Um, That's so beautiful. Yeah, John, it is. I, you know, I actually some of the some of the th- questions I have, I actually don't know the answer to. <laughs> we're going to talk about fatherhood, and okay. you know, we're going to talk about you know, we live right now in what's called the most fatherless generation in history, in which our fathers are alive but not home, and so mm. you know, I wrote a book about it called um uprising the epic journey to the for the uh the uh, the epic battle for the most fatherless generation in history and so you you are an amazing father i'd like to just start with you what is what what is your father like and what how did you grow up yeah so i grew up with a dad who Met the Lord in the Jesus movement. He, he he met the Lord smoking dope and reading the Bible. He thought it'd be he thought it'd be so cool to get stoned and read the Bible. Uh, and he was a big rock and roller. Uh, and he had a, a collision with uh, the reality of who Jesus is. And he walked out a lot of darkness into the light. Um, and I was kind of his second chance at being a dad. He had already had two two girls who are my sisters, ten and twelve years older than me. Wow! So um, he was saved for about eight years before I was born. And so um, my sisters used to always joke, like, "You got you got the dad who's <laughs> who's who's been cleaned up a lot more than we got." Um, but there are there are no perfect fathers yeah uh, there's only there's only one perfect father and one of the things i say about my dad is what he did incredibly is that he pointed me to the perfect father he didn't do it perfectly but uh in his brokenness and his mess and and in everything he just kept pointing me to the father and i think what he mirrored to me more than anything that's true about god is god's pleasure the father that we see show up at Jesus's baptism when he's like, this is my boy in whom I'm well pleased. And I can look back at my childhood and look back through my teenage years and they are drenched with my dad 
speaking his delight over me. Um, even when we fought like cats and dogs <laughs> when I was a teenager, there's still moments where he marked me with his smile. He marked me with his delight. Even from, the, I remember, I'll never forget the first time I played him one of the first songs I'd ever written. Um, he had had a prophetic word before I was born that I was going to write music one day. Wow. Uh, um, and him and my mom got this word before I was born. They never told me the word. And, uh, but my whole first 17 years of life, I never touched an instrument. Wow. Um, and they thought, man, the prophet got it wrong. Like this kid, this kid's never going to play music. And around 17, um, Jesus really became real to me. I came home and asked him if he had a guitar, came home from summer camp because I wanted to learn the songs we were singing at summer camp. And uh, he, he, went, he went up in the attic. You've never seen an old man run so fast. He got this guitar. He gave it to me. taught me my first few chords. And uh, a few story. months later, I wrote my first song. I showed it to my dad. I was so nervous because I was like, I don't know if this is good. <laughs> and I'm showing, it, I'm showing it to my dad. And I'll never forget looking across the room as I finished the song. And there's tears coming down my dad's face. And he said, son, you have no idea how long I've waited to hear that song. Wow. And, um, and he began to tell me, he said, I've been carrying a prophetic word for almost 20 years now that you would write music one day. And he's like, I've been waiting a long time to hear that. And that affirmation marked my heart. Uh, and it, it really drove a lot of insecurity out of my heart that would have clogged the wells wow. of worship that God had put there. So um, <laughs> that's what I remember the most about my about being fathered by my dad. Did your dad lead worship at all? Did he play an instrument? Yeah, he's a musician, and uh, he's a he's he brings the gospel in such a unique way. He's a storyteller. He's a visual artist and a musician. Very very creative man. Um, You're but, a storyteller uh, yeah. yourself. Yeah, I get it from him. Yeah, you tell uh, even with your music. You know, so many of your music, so much of your music is kind of almost like ballads. You know, there's it's like listening to your songs are almost like a journey. Yes. Yes. So let's talk a little bit about fatherhood. What, how have you seen your students impacted by, by, by fathers? And, and what are, you know, I, I, I kind of know what you do there because my son's yep. taught in your school. And I oh, think yeah. part of what you're doing is actually the restoration of fatherhood, both the Heavenly Father and also it's a discipleship school. So you're, you kind of have these Paul-Timothy kind of relationships I, that I, I'm aware of. Yep. Tell, tell yep. us about that. Yeah, one of the values that we built the school on has been this value that we're found by a father and we're formed in a family. So we're found by a father and we're formed in a family. And, um, and so as soon as the students get here, the main thing we want to go after is what they believe about God. Um, A.W. Tozer says that what comes into our mind when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Wow, I like it. And, and so what they believe about God as Father affects everything, because the, the God we see is, is the son and daughter will be. If we see him as an angry father, we're going to be angry people. If we see him as a generous, kind, patient father, we're going to so reflect good. that. So we, we start to go after, like, who, who's the father that you see? 
Um, but a lot of times we can say things in class like, oh, I believe God's good. And then you actually get in life and you're not reflecting that belief because you don't actually believe it down in here. And that's where the, that's where the forming and family happens. And that's what we love about the life on life discipleship part of the school is that they live here. Um, you know, so you, you can nod your head in class and be like, yes, God's kind and patient and good. And then a couple hours later, you know, you're in the middle of a work duty or in the middle of something and you actually don't reflect that you really believe that. Yeah. And so I, th- I think that's the part of the first question God asked us is, where are you? That's how the father responded to our mess. He came looking for us, calling our names. So I think that's a lot of what our discipleship is, is that we're, we get to be the voice of the father in their world saying, where are you? And what do you really believe about who God is? Um, and what do you really believe about who you are? What do you think the side effects of the absence of fathers are in a person's life and how, you know, in society, how do we see a shift? How do we see that, you know, like Malachi 4 mandate, we call it the Malachi mandate, you know, it's like, I'm going to send, in the last days, I'll send Elijah the prophet who will restore the hearts of fathers to sons and daughters and hearts of sons and daughters of fathers. What do you think the side effects are of not having a father? Well, I mean, I just, if, if you look at my story, if when I picked up that guitar, I wrote my first song, I can look back at that 18 year old boy that wrote that song. If I didn't have a dad in the room that believed in me and was cheering me on, I think that fear would have clogged the well of songs that were in my heart. I don't think the, I don't know if the world would ever heard the songs if I didn't have a dad cheering me on like that. And so how many songs have we not heard? How many inventions haven't been invented? How many, you know, uh, dreams haven't been dreamed because there's not a mother or a father there cheering on these sons and daughters. And I, that to me is the one of the most powerful parts about the school is that we get to have these guys here and create an atmosphere where we can, you know, sometimes we're the first people to like see the treasure in them and go, oh my gosh, like, this is what he made you to do. Um, but at the same time, it feels so overwhelming because it's such a small school. And I'm like, there's millions of kids out there who don't have that voice in their life, uh, affirming them and defining them and calling out who they are. And it's interesting because, you know, when I, I wrote this book on, on fatherlessness, at least the first part is on fatherlessness. The second part is on what do we kind of do about it, you know? Yeah. But I was I did statistical studies on the negative side effects of fatherlessness, including you know violence, for example, uh, yeah. mental illness, uh, it's, you know, high school dropouts, all these negative statistics. But it's interesting when I asked you about fatherlessness, you didn't tell me about how men get violent. You talked to me about how men don't reach their dreams. Wow! How men don't fulfill their call. How yeah. men, you know, and so I, I wish I we would have had this conversation because. You know, before I, before I finish my book, because, you, you know, when we think about fatherlessness, we're looking at the negative statistics. But on the other side, the, the challenge with fatherlessness, as you point out, is you don't fulfill your dreams. Or maybe you don't even have a dream, right? Right, right. So, yeah. um, what, what are you doing? You know, how, how do you see a solution for culture and society? Like, what do you do with, you know, single moms? We have a lot of, 
obviously single moms that will watch this, and they're, you know, they ask the question, okay, my kids don't have a dad in the house. My fault or not my fault, definitely not the kid's fault. And how would you, like, what do you see as an answer for culture over the next 20 years? Wow. Well, this beautiful, this beautiful dream God dreamed up called the church uh, should be the community and the family that is, again, we're found by a father, but we're formed in a family, um, that we would be a, a family and a church that is just pulling in these young ones that don't have a father and speaking that identity into them. Um, and it feels really overwhelming in a lot of ways because uh, I, I feel the pain of it too. Um, but at the same time, I'm like, There's, this is what the church is made to be, a place where we're, we're, we're just restoring identity to sons and daughters. Yeah, he puts the lonely in a family. I was yes. thinking about how in my life, I lost my father at three and had two stepfathers who really wanted nothing <clears throat> to do with me. I, I don't see it now as so much... It, it's not personal. I think it was just where they were in their life and right, they were trying right. to find himself and they didn't like themselves. But the Lord brought really good men. When I, when I was 18 and fi- found the Lord, they, they actually, when, they, when I prayed the prayer to receive Christ, they brought a young man over and said, this is your father. And I'm like, yep. well, I've been needing a father since I was three, so that's all good for me, you know? Yeah. And that man had such a huge impact on my life. What are you teaching in your school that's helping people to find identity, build confidence in them, and, you know, you just point out, like, discover the gold? Right, yeah. Um, I love that discipleship moment that Jesus has. I think uh, we say a lot, discipleship is formed by the questions that are asked. Um, And I love... um, I love questions in discipleship because they reveal the heart. You know, um, some of my best friends not I know how to ask me the best questions because they really care about my heart. And Jesus has this discipleship moment where he says to the boys, "Who do you say I am?" And they've been with them for a long time at this moment. Yeah, you know, and they say, "Well, some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah." And he's like, "But I, but I want to know who you say I am. Like, what does your heart say that I am?" You know, and Peter has the moment of, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. And at that moment, something is restored. Uh, Keys are given, authority is given back uh, that they lost in a garden and it's restored in that moment. So I think that's the, that right there is what we've built a lot of the discipleship around is like, who do you say God is? And who do you say that you are? And, um, and so we're just kind of putting them in that furnace and finding so many ways for them to answer that question. Who do you say God is? And, you know, me and Melissa met at Morningstar way back in the nineties. Oh man. And and one of our spiritual fathers is Don Potter. Oh my gosh. uh, I know Don so well. And so Don led our worship school and you remember Don's song, uh, who do you say? Oh Yeah. Some say Elijah, some say John, but who do you say? So Don wrote that song while we were in school with him. And one of the things he did in our school is he said, if you want to lead worship, you have to write your own songs. I'm not, I'm not allowing anybody to sing anybody else's song. You have to sing your own song. Oh my he goodness. said, because he said, that's where authority was. Now there was like 
50 people that wanted to be on the worship team. After he said that, there's about three of us. Uh, (laughs) But a couple of us were the brave ones. Our songs were terrible. But at the same time, we were actually starting to fight for what we really believed about God. And we weren't just singing an echo. We were starting to put it into our own words. And that's a lot of what we've built this discipleship course around, is I don't want to hear the students tell me who someone else says God is. I want to find out who you say God is because that's where authority is formed. A quick funny story. About uh, 24 years ago, I had this vision. I had been to Morningstar once or twice, saw Don Potter, didn't know him from a distance. You know, at the time he was like very famous, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I had this vision of uh, just uh, in prayer of Brian him mentoring Brian Johnson. Wow. And Brian was probably 19, 18, 19, yeah. maybe 20. Yeah. And, and, and so I said, man, I think we're supposed to start a worship school and we're supposed to see, we're supposed to have Don Potter teach. So I went into Bill and Bill said, well, why don't you talk to Brian? So I sat down with Brian and I said, man, I had this vision of Don Potter coming to a, like a worship school and and kind of being kind of a, you know, maybe a mentor to you and connecting with you. And Brian's like, wow. well, that's great. I don't know if he'd come here. So I, a friend of a friend knew him. So I actually got his phone number and called him. Anyway, short story. We were, you know, we were really broke in those days. So in our worship school, we started worship school. It was six weeks long. Yeah. And Don lived in my cottage right behind my house for six weeks with Christine. Wow. Wow. And so we got really connected, and that guy is a father to so many people. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's interesting thing we're talking about kind of in a way like inheritance where a man has a, an anointing on his life, in this yeah. case Don, to write music. He surrounds himself with sons and daughters. He yeah. says, you can do this too. Yeah. In fact... In fact, you aren't going to be on my team unless you do this. Right. And it's kind of, I believe in you, but you also need to take a risk kind of thing. Yes, yes. And consequently, look at you, look at Brian Johnson. And then Brian Johnson has been a catalyst to, I don't know how many people writing in our culture, right? The guy is like a freaking genius, right? So it's it's kind of like this. I, I think three quarters, or I, I haven't actually counted, but I think most of the most of the people that have written on Bethel music over the years have never written a song before they encountered Brian Johnson, wow. who encountered Don Potter, exactly. Who you know, and so I, I just think there's this beautiful thing that happens in 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 a in a culture of mothering and fathering that's yep. kind of that you kind of catch by osmosis. Yep. And as you're pointing out, it's a culture of faith. It's yep. also a culture of risk. Yeah. It's a culture where your father's pushing you out of the nest and goes, go yep. do this. Yeah. And you're like, I can't do this. And you're like, oh, yeah, you can do this. Yes. Yes. Wow. And, you know, I remember our last year of school was 99 with Don, 99 to 2000. And he, that was the last year he taught the school. And he said, next year, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go out to Redding, California to do a worship school with Bethel. And we're like, where the heck is Redding, California? So, uh, and then 14 years later, we meet Brian and Jen, 
And they're like, hey, will you guys come be a part of Bethel Music? And then we start talking and we realize, oh, we have like the same dad. Yeah. Uh, that's that's why our hearts just instantly connected. So yeah, it's that's remarkable. Jonathan, what are you doing in your in your school? Like I heard you say, I'm teaching people to ask the right questions. Right. And you named a couple of questions, like who is God and who are you? Yes. What are other questions that help people to sort where am I going and what am I called to be and do? Wow, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I think a huge part for us is what are the lies and the fears that have come against who I'm made to be and beginning to name those fears, just like David, you know, Goliath doesn't show up till David's anointed. And as, you know, as soon as David's anointed, there's a giant that shows up and David named that giant. He looked at that giant face to face um, and said, who are you? And so I think for us, it's helping these guys name what are the fears that are coming against you? Because I believe the enemy points his sword at us right where we're made for greatness. Um, so for me, like I was terrified as a kid to speak in public, uh, even in my early twenties, it was like that. I mean, I would just get panic attacks thinking about speaking in public. And now that's what I do so much of the time. Um, and I'm like, Oh, the enemy was pointing a sword right where I made for greatness. Just like Pharaoh's killing, killing babies as soon as Moses is born, you know? And so helping these guys, what are the lies and the fears and naming those, um, and then how are those actually revealing where I'm made for greatness? Um, does that make sense? It does. you have any testimonies of people that have come through your ministry that sort of came out of the Isaiah 61 broken, you know, demonized, depressed, discouraged, you know, hopeless, and became a world changer? Yeah. I love you said Isaiah 61. We've claimed that as our mission statement as a as a ministry. That's mine so, too. Yeah, and we actually my dad my dad and Melissa's dad, both preachers, read Isaiah 61 over us when we were married. Um, and now it's really become the core value. Two of my you grandkids know, have it tattooed on their arms because it's my my life verse. Wow, come on. Come on. <laughs> um, yeah, I would our second school, we had eight. Stu- uh, no, we had a, we had eight students at our first school. Our second school, we had eleven students, and we would pretty much let anybody do our school in those days because we were just you know we're pioneering something. Yeah, and we had the, we had this seventeen year old kid named Jake Stevens, who uh, we he was just graduated. He was only seventeen, turned eighteen during the school. But um, he came to the school and he had lost his dad when he was 10 years old to cancer. Oh, wow. Um, and so seven years later, he's here on our land and he, he's still with us now. Uh, wow. So it'd be, that, that'd be 14 years ago. Um, he's still with us. He's a father now of two boys. He's played guitar on all of our albums. Um, but when he came here, he was uh, uh, just uh, like a wild horse. 
And um, I got to be one of the fathers in his life, but he was surrounded by a family and a community. And the Lord went into his pain, healing his the place where he'd lost his dad. And we watched the father father him. And now he truly is a father here on the land. He leads, uh, he's a discipleship pastor and a guitar player with us. Um, but just watching his transformation. Um, and it's been a, it's been a decade. We have a friend that says live in the day, but measure in a decade. Like it takes like a decade to really grow something and seeing Jake at 17 and 27. I mean, there was a lot of bumpy clunky moments, moments that I didn't think he would make it moments that I thought he would run. Uh, but watching how he, he be, he came here as a boy and he's standing here as a man now. Um, and he's now become a father to two of his own sons, but he's fathering the men on this land. That is so encouraging, Jonathan. Yeah. How can people, how can people get in touch with your ministry? How could they become a part of your ministry? Yeah. Um, well, you can learn about the school at eighteen inchjourney dot com, okay. uh, and then jonathanhelser dot com would lead you to a lot of what me and Melissa are doing the music. But the school really is the passion of our life. Um, I, it was probably what we pour 90% of our life into and 10% is the music. I, I am so very proud of you guys. Would you just end with a prayer for these folks that'll be watching this? Yeah. Yeah. Whoever is listening right now, just wherever you're at, if you're in your car, you're running errands, I just challenge you to stop for just a moment and just imagine your father sitting across from you, like I talked about my dad sitting across from me, and you are playing him the song of your heart. You might not even be a musician or anything like that, but you're just giving him right now the song of your heart. Imagine you vulnerably saying, God, here I am. Here's my heart. What do you think about it? And I just ask right now that you would feel the affirmation of the father that roared over Jesus. You are my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. That wherever you're at right now, you would hear that voice speaking over you. You are my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. You are my beloved. And I just speak over your heart right now that the one who knows you best is the one who loves you most. He knit you together in your mother's womb and he's been waiting from eternity. He's been waiting from the foundation of the world to hear the song of your life. So I bless the dreams of your heart and I ask now that you would feel the light of your father's face shining on the seeds of the dreams he planted in you from your mother's womb, that you would become everything he dreamed you to be and that his tangible delight would pour over you right now, crushing fear, destroying anxiety, and waking up the son and daughter he dreamed you to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Jonathan, thank you so much for being on. Send my love to Melissa. I hope I to connect with you soon. And yeah. uh, I love your music. Thank you, Chris. And th thank you for being a father to our generation. Um, I'm, I'm looking at my backyard right now, and I'm thinking about how many podcasts I've listened to of yours while I've mowed my backyard. <laughs> and, uh, and I'm thinking, a friend of mine told me this story about 
in Alaska one time, he was hunting and he he walked on this trail that the father bears would lead their sons on. And he said he literally saw these bear prints and then little cub prints inside of the bear prints where fathers had led their their sons. And uh, I just, I'm grateful for the, the footprints that you have left for us, Chris, into God's heart. Um, you've just laid down your life in so many ways for us to discover who God is. And um, you have taught me and Melissa a lot about who the Father really is. So I'm very, very grateful for the dreams you've dared to dream and the thousands and thousands of yeses you've said um, for us to be able to walk in this path. So you've created a well-worn path into God's heart, and I'm very thankful for you. Making me cry. (laughs) I love you. Thank you so much. Yeah, I love you so much, Chris. And we love Kathy. We're praying for you guys and everything happening in your world. God bless you. Yeah. Have a wonderful day. See ya. Bye now. Thanks so much for listening to my podcast. If you want to find out more, read my blog or listen to the previous podcast episodes. Go to chrisvelleton.com. Have an awesome day.